Have you ever said to yourself, this doesn't look like the life I imagined? This morning I want to talk about a passage of Scripture, and I really am praying that God stirs us to see the life He imagined, which may not be the life we imagined. This is the final message in our series that we call called Metamorphosis, and um, I think it's message six or seven-ish, but... The good news is all the messages are available on the social. Uh, you can grab them on Facebook or YouTube, but you can also download our app. We have a church app called Zion People, and as best we can, we make sure those messages are uploaded in audio format as a minimum so that you can listen to the messages on the go. Uh, and I really encourage you uh, to make sure you catch those messages because we're, we're seeing God do something through the entirety of the series. When Craig launched the series way back in June sometime, um, we discovered that the key scripture for this series was 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. All of us, Paul writes, all of us are looking with unveiled faces at the glory of the Lord as if we were looking in a mirror. We are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. And this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The key word in that verse, transformed, is where we find the word metamorphosis, meaning a change, a transition, a transformation. A second verse that Craig shared in the opening message was Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, there's that word again, metamorphosis, be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. In both these verses, Paul, the author, the Apostle Paul is writing, uh, trying to give us a picture that we're in a life, uh, but we're a life that's not yet finished. We're in a journey that requires us to go through metamorphosis, a transformation, a transformative process. Um, and, and I describe that as where one form is literally changed into another form. Uh, probably from school, you would have observed a butterfly coming out of a cocoon. That metamorphosis process is where one form is changed into another form. And as we remember, if you can remember back to the first message in the series, um, Craig gave us this picture from 2 Corinthians chapter 3 where, where we understand that the veil is being removed. As you spend time in a posture of, and a lifestyle of praise and worship of God, as you commit yourself to Him, the veil is removed. And as the veil is removed, what you discover is that you're looking into a mirror and you're seeing a picture of Christ. And as you look at the image of Christ, you are transformed into Christ's likeness. So I summarize that as saying this, as we look at Jesus, we become more like Jesus. That is the process of metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, as Craig's words were, staring into the image of Christ so that I become the image of Christ. 
therefore Christ being the hope that the world needs. Pop quiz. In the series of Metamorphosis, there were four key themes that we've spoken about through the series. Excluding staff, who might be able to tell me what those four themes were if they cast their mind back or look at their journal? Come on. The last one is Ecclesia. That's right, Doug. Let's go back to the most recent one. Ecclesia. Prayer was one of them, yes. Commissioning was the third one. What was the first one? Awakening, that's right. So they are awakening, prayer, commissioned, and ecclesia. And I'm going to point to these today because I'm going to summarize our, our series well, actually, I'm not summarizing it. What I'm doing is bring it to a close, and I'm wrapping all these four themes into one passage of Scripture that we find in Ezekiel chapter 37. I want, to see, I want you to see the alignment in the themes in the Scripture, and I'm going to spell it out to you to make it really, really clear, hopefully. So let's look. Swipe your Bibles across to Ezekiel 37, or if you're like me, turn the page to page 698, and I'm going to read the first 14 verses of Ezekiel 37. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and will cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then I watched muscles, flesh, and tendons formed over the bones. Skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then the Lord said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as God commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood upon their feet, a great army. Then the Lord said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them and say this. This is what the sovereign Lord says. O oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, 
are my people. You will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I've done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. What I want to do today is I want to step through a few of these verses and I want you to see how this passage of Scripture and the prophetic vision that Ezekiel had applies to us today, to the journey of metamorphosis. And I'm going to point to the four themes that we see in this passage today. Before I do that, very, very briefly, I just want to give you some context. Because this, like, this is like a Netflix episode, really. When you think about like 100,000 dead bodies lying in a valley, bones just scattered everywhere, Dude turns up and walks in amongst them, and suddenly they rise up as skeletons. Like, that's the making of a Netflix episode. And what's happening? Well, this is a time in history where the people of God are not at home. This is, um, this is in about uh, 597 BC, but before that, Israel had been desecrated by Assyria, and the ten tribes of Israel had been scattered, and so God's people were just everywhere but home. And, and really had no identity, and they were just, they'd actually called the Lost Tribes. Good name for a Netflix show. Now we come to 597 BC, and King Nebuchadnezzar, you might remember the story, King Nebuchadnezzar marches against Jerusalem and captures it, and he takes the very best people, just the good-looking ones and just the intelligent ones. Remember the story of Daniel? He was one of the fine young men in Jerusalem, and he was captured, and he was trained in the ways of King Nebuchadnezzar. Right? This is the time in history that we're talking about. Ezekiel was a priest in the temple, so he was one of the fine ones that was transported back to Babylon. Ten years later, someone back in Jerusalem had a bit of a rebellious streak, so King Nebuchadnezzar marches back and destroys the city. He destroys the city and the temple and everything. He takes everything that's worth something and he kills everyone else. And the only ones he leaves in Jerusalem are the worst of the worst, the low of the low, and the poor of the poor. This is the context. And Ezekiel is transported away to Babylon. And after a period of time, the Lord says, you shall become a prophet to my people. And he has this prophetic thing rise up in him by the Spirit of God, and he starts to provide this prophetic um, vision. This is what we're seeing here. So Jerusalem is back home. It's lying in desolation, and only the poor of the poor live there. And wild animals are roaming, and, and the people of God are scattered everywhere, and they've got no hope. No hope that God's special possession has chosen people, and yet they're called the lost tribes, and they're in captivity, and they've got no identity as God's people under King Nebuchadnezzar. They were asking this question, where is God? I always like to transfer Scripture to now in time. And I, I was sitting about, thinking about this a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, you know what? Our normal has been taken away from us this year. I mean, who knew? We were sitting doing planning in the middle of March, and all of a sudden COVID hit globally. And we've shifted everything this year globally. Our safety has been threatened. Many people have had their, their, they've lost loved ones or they've had their lives and their health threatened. Some people are being held in captivity. Some people are breaking out of captivity. No comment needed. 
Some people feel disconnected from the life that they know that was comfortable. Some people feel um, disenfranchised, like I don't know what my life is. This is not the life I imagined. Some people feel divorced from their destiny. Their plan that they had is gone. I don't know where it is. Maybe some people even feel like their identity stolen. Who they are known as is now totally destroyed. If this is you, perhaps you're asking, where is God? And in the midst of this despair, God brings hope. In the, in the timeline of history, God looks down and says, you know what? I'm going to inject hope right there in that moment of hopelessness. And if you're one that likes to read the Bible, if you're one of those Christians, then I'd suggest that you turn back a page and read Ezekiel 36, because it's a promise that God brings prior to this passage. And I'm not going to unpack it for the sake of time, but I want you to see how lavish God's love is and how, how, how far he extends himself to say, I will come and I will bring restoration and I will put my spirit into you and I will lavish my mercy and my goodness on you and you will be my people and the world will know that I am God. All of that's in Ezekiel 36. Really good reading. Why? Because God wants to encourage his people. God wants to know you to know that even if your life is tough, even though you're going through challenges right now, God is not absent. He is present. He's wanting to bring himself into your situation and make himself real to you. What should you do? You should seek the prophetic encouragement of God. You should seek a, a living, active, now moment with God that speaks to you and speaks to your circumstances. I always say this, don't judge God by your circumstances, instead judge your circumstances by God. That's what scripture helps us to do. So I'm praying today, as I get through this passage, that you would hear the word of the Lord. What is the word of the Lord? Dry bones, rise up with the spirit of God. So as I'm wont to often do, let's jog through the scriptures, starting with verse 1. If you've got your Bible, verse 1 says this, the hand of the Lord was upon me. I mean, this is a brilliant start. The, the, the picture that I had when I was reading this and meditating on it was, was I remember when I was a, a young boy, my father would often come and he would just rest his hand on my shoulder. Now, if I was being good... That was really encouraging. If I wasn't being good, I knew what it meant. What's the point? Dad is close. I can be, I can be filled with security and comfort because Dad's hand is on my shoulder. And in, in, in the context of Scripture, what Ezekiel was saying is, the Lord has put his hand upon me, and in putting his hand upon me, he's transmitted to me his power and his authority. In the context of our series, we've talked about, and if you've been part of the prophetic journey through COVID and what God's been saying to our church, consecration, setting apart, commissioning, and enablement all happen when dad puts his hand on our shoulder. I would also like to emphasize, though, that this really does depend on your posture. 
And I'll refer you back to Ash's message, which was last week. And she said this. She said that God doesn't pour out on personal position. He pours himself out on posture. So this could be you in the story. But it also could not be you. Verse 1 carries on, and Ezekiel finds himself in a valley of dry bones. Over apparently, over 100,000 body parts, bodies of parts, all over the place. We can see in the text, it says that they're very, very dry bones, which means they've been lying in the desert in the valley for a very long time. They're dry. This is a valley. This is a place of battle. This is where, obviously, an army was decimated and left to die. And their bones... They they didn't even get burial. They were left there. This is a place of judgment. This is a place of defeat. When the Bible speaks about my bones are sore, it's talking about my deepest, my innermost being is aching. I can't stand the pain because it's so deep inside me. This is a prophetic image for hopelessness. The people of God have been cut off from Jerusalem, as I said. Their identity and their promise, gone somewhere. They don't know where. They're hopeless. They've even been cut off from their lifestyle of worship. If you read Daniel, they're not allowed. Nebuchadnezzar says, you won't worship anyone but me. Have you ever said to yourself, this doesn't look like the life I imagined. Verse 2. He led me all around the bones that covered the valley floor. Well, I just want to remind you that Ezekiel is a priest of God's temple. By tradition, by training, by rules, if Ezekiel was in the presence of a dead body or touches a dead body or goes to some bones that is obviously dead, he is deemed unclean and therefore unfit for service and therefore unacceptable for worship. And here we find God, by his Spirit, leading him amongst the dead bones. Did Ezekiel say, actually, no, I can't do that, the rules don't allow it? He did not. As I was preparing this, this part of the message, I really I felt to pause because I just feel like God's going to mess with some of you. And I'm sorry, but I've been praying for that. I really feel God's calling the church, his people, out of a paradigm. A paradigm of tradition, a paradigm of what I think is right, and it's going to mess with some of you more than others. In fact, what would happen if God led you to a place where you were deemed to be unclean and unfit for worship? What if he led you there? I think God's going to call some people to walk among the unclean and unacceptable in order to fill their ministry call. And we want to support you to do that. Don't become an island. Stay connected. And my prayer for you, if that's you and we're watching and we're active and we're connected with you, my prayer for you is that you're obedient as Ezekiel was, that you wouldn't turn away from what God's doing because it doesn't suit your comfort or measure up to your expectations. Perhaps this is not the life that you imagined. Verse 3. I told you I was jogging. Then God asked me a question. Can these bones live? Now, we just need to remember that when God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't have the answer. Remember, God is omniscient, means he knows all things. He doesn't ask you a question because he's stumped. 
a sovereign Lord who knows everything, except that one thing. No, 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 no. God asks a question because he invites us into a situation. He wants us to show, show us something. He wants us to learn something. He wants us to participate in what he's doing. So if God ever asks you a question, please don't tell him the answer. What, 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 what does Ezekiel do? Oh, Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. What's that? That's humility. That's posture. Face down on the floor going, I can't begin to comprehend what you're doing, God, but you do. And I'm submitted to you, God. You alone know. Open yourself to learn something from God. Speak less, listen more. These are all good pieces of advice. Verse 4, he says, the Lord says to Ezekiel, speak a prophetic message to the bones. This is, this, this is the part I love. This is where God invites us to a place of participation. He says, what I want to do is I want to put the words of heaven in your mouth and I want you to speak them so that you can establish something on earth. Jesus taught us this in Matthew 16. Whatever you bind on earth, we bound in heaven. What loose on earth, loose in heaven. The, 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 the original context of that is that we would release that which is already released in heaven into earth. Prophetic ministry is being enabled by God's Spirit to take a message from heaven and speak it out. Therefore, heaven becomes established on earth. Remember, thy will be done on earth earth as is already in heaven. So we get this invitation to participate with heaven. We get to release on earth what is already released in his reality, but he chooses to do it through us. Like very, very seldom does God boom his voice out from the clouds. He uses us. And if that doesn't mess you up enough, have a look at what he asks to do. Prophesy to the bones. Oh, you mean the dead pieces of body parts on the ground? Yes, I want you to prophesy to those. We'll just look back again at Ezekiel chapter, I'll give you the reference. Ezekiel 36, verse 6, God says to him, prophesy to the hills. Well, you mean I can talk to the mountains? Oh, I think Jesus taught us that. What am I trying to say? God enables us to speak to all of creation. God says, prophesy, because all creation is subject to the rema, the current, fresh, prophetic word of God. All creation. Lazarus, dead in the grave. How many days? Stinky. Did he have the ability to hear what Jesus said to him? Well, his ears weren't working. And yet Jesus spoke, rise from the grave. Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain and say, move into the sea. All of creation is subject to the Rema word of God. I'm not trying to tell you to go out and talk to the trees. So Francis of Assisi used to do that, and he got called a bit crazy. Preach to the birds. What am, I, what am I saying to you? I think God's giving you the ability to prophesy to your circumstances. I think God wants you to declare heaven's reality over your household. I would love for you to release heaven into your workplace. 
that you would be filled with God's Spirit, that you'd be filled with His words, that you would have the faith to speak those words and see heaven established in your reality and shift in line with heaven. Not convinced? Not sure? Like Ezekiel's just a man. I mean, God can use a donkey. He can use you. Dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Come on, we've got to decree this over our lives. If this is the only thing that you take away from this morning's message, that you take it home in your pocket, you bring it out later, I want you to say this when you get home. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Speak to that which is dead in your life. Speak to your inner desires. Speak to your bones that are aching. Speak to your deepest desires that are hurting because this is not the life I imagined and yet God is doing something. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Speak to our circumstances. I'm trying to be calm today because uh, (laughs) Chris and I had a little encounter last night. And uh, he rang me, and he's, he's got some stuff going on, as you can tell, which is really, really exciting. Um, but he starts to prophesy over me in the church, and we're both on the end of the phone crying like babies. It's just how we do it. At least we weren't in the cafe like last time when that happened. But, but God is about to do something significant in Te Awamudu. And the invitation is, do we want to be participants, or do we want to be observers and miss it? And I signed up to be part of it. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know when it's happening, but I just signed up to be part of it. And I'm saying, this is not the life I imagined, but I'm commanding my spirit to come into agreement with heaven, and I'm saying, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Because look what he then says in verse 5. I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. This is what the sovereign Lord says to you. I'm going to put my breath into you and make you live the way I designed you to live. Come on, this is a time to receive by faith that which God is wanting to release in a now moment that you would catch it and then be faithful with it to do something about it. Dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. God is faithful to what he promises. the, The only thing you can count on in this life is what God says he'll do. His promise. Verse 6, the very next verse, God says, this is God speaking, I will do these things. Well, when he says, I will, is he faithful to that? Can we demand when it happens? No. Can we demand what it looks like? No. Can we demand how we're going to feel when it happens? Good luck with that. But he says, I will, it means he will. God is faithful. Verse 7. So, Ezekiel says, I spoke the message as the Lord told me. Jamie's pulled the line out already. He says, your blessing is on the other side of your obedience. I did what God asked me to do, just as he told me, it says in verse 7. And suddenly, in response to that step of obedient, faithful um, servant-heartedness from Ezekiel, God moved, and there was a rattle. Just picture yourself for a moment. Standing. In a valley, sides of the valley go up, and those in that sort of terrain, there's like steep valleys, so there's like walls all around you. How many bones of the human body? 160 something? 206, approximately. Most of you have 206. Um, 205. Um, multiply that by 100,000. That many bones rattling around you. I hear a rattle. 
in the spirit, I hear a rattle. To be cheesy, I called it the ruach, rattle, because it's the spirit of God that brings the rattle. It's the wind of God that brings the rattle. It's a rattle that comes. The ruach is the, is the Hebrew word that means the breath or the life force, the spirit of God. In this context, it's God's spirit that comes in like a wind that shakes and rattles these bones and causes something to shift and change. Man, I can hear a rattle in the spirit. I can sense that God's spirit is going to blow through Te Awamudu and something is going to change. We just have to be awake to it which is why awakening was one of it. I want to make this really practical if I can, and I'm going to move quick, but um, I've taught this years ago in a a school of the Spirit, but let's just look at what happens in verse 7. Ezekiel was obedient, and I said what God asked me to say. All right, so so here's the point. For you and your circumstance, when you go home and you go, this isn't the life I imagined, I really don't know what's going on, God, but I'm saying to myself, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And I prophesy what God says. That's where you stop and God starts. That's all you've got to do. But let's look what God does. Suddenly I heard a rattling. Verse 7. There was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each, bone, bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Fully formed frames of the human body standing upright, but bones only. We're up to about, I think, episode six of our Netflix series right now. And you're like, oh, this is getting good. Look at that. Oh, look, 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 look. All the people standing up. There's bones everywhere. What's going to happen in your life in this moment? Some of you are experiencing it right now. There's a lot of rattling. There's a lot of noise going on. And if you're like me, half of that noise is whining and crying and sobbing in prayer. Am I the only one? I am. It's noisy when this happens, and you don't know what's going on, and you're really unsure, but God is doing something. Lance Walnow says, a season of transition, it just feels like hell, but you know God is in it, so you can't be in hell. There's rattling, and there's whining, and there's crying, and there's noise going on around you. You see things start to shift and change. Suddenly what was, was constant is taken away. Suddenly what is familiar is no longer familiar. This is what the first step is but you start to see the frame of something. And it's just a frame. Skeleton is the best example. But note this. You can't stop with just a skeleton. The only place that's right for a skeleton is a museum or a grave. God wants his people to live in the future, not the past. So we can't stay satisfied with a skeleton. We've got to keep reading. Verse 8, I watched muscles, flesh, and tendons formed over the bones. What does God begin to do next? Well, muscles speak about strength and mobility. If you don't have muscles, you can't move. You've got to have muscles. Flesh speaks to substance. Suddenly you start to see substance forming around the frame because, oh, I can start to think, I think I might be getting a clue on what God's doing. And tendons, tendons speak to connectivity. The worst thing you can do in the season is be disconnected from the other parts of the body. Why? Because isolation is the devil's weapon. But I want you to notice this. You can't have flesh, but without the skeleton... Because that's just a hunk of meat. And the only thing that's good for is cooking 
or feeding to the dogs. So you've got to have the frame and the skeleton, and then you've got to have the meat. You've got to do it the way God's designed it. The next thing you see there is, um, is it says, uh, the, the, I watched, Ezekiel said, in skin formed to cover bodies. And this is where you start to get the visual identity of what's happening in front of you. You get a little more recognition. You're like, oh, I can see what God's doing. There's a bit of a shape and a bit of identity. I can see it. I can see it with my natural eye now. This is the form that happens before of us. But I just want you to note this, because this is the mistake that I've made before. Some people make the mistake of praying and they're saying, God, just show me what it looks like. But if you do that at the start, all you get is the skin with no frame, and then you've got something like a mat on the floor, which can't go anywhere. You've got to do things the way God's designed them. Please, please don't just pray for something that makes you comfortable. Pray that God does his work in you. It's got to happen in this order. And then look at this. They had no breath in them. What does this mean? We've got to wait for God's breath. We've got, what, is, what is the ruach? The ruach is God's spirit. It's his life force that comes into us. You remember in um, the story of Genesis when God says, huh, we, we need some friends. And he took the dust and he formed a man. But it was just a form until he breathed into him. You're just a form until God's spirit comes into you. God's indwelling presence in you, his power and his life force, his spirit in partnership with you working, it's what all of us need. In the context of the series Metamorphosis, we've got to wake up that God is setting us on a new path. That was the first part of awakening. Secondly, the second part was prayer. This whole thing hinges on and is dependent on, by God's choice, one man prophesying what heaven was releasing. So in prayer, we've got to learn to speak out God's heart over our circumstances, over our lives, over our town, over our family, and not be dependent on what we see in the natural, but speak what we believe in faith. Abraham spoke as the father of many nations before um, his son Isaac was born, the son of promise. And God saw his faith, it says, and he credited to him as righteousness. It made him pure before God because he believed that which he could not see with his eyes. Faith is the economy of heaven. Commissioned, we've got to recognize that God's called us. He's given us a gift. He's prepared for us. We've just got to learn to move in it. We've got to understand that he's enabling us. We understand that Ecclesia is about the mobilization of the church. It's not just that we're gifted to slap each other on the back and tell us how awesome we are. We're gifted and mobilized to move to impact to advance God's kingdom. We've already heard testimonies of that today. Chris and and, and Julie and others that are joining this healing ministry, that birthed out of a moment where God woke Chris up and said, Oi, now's the time. He went to visit a prophetic uh, minister, and the prophetic minister called him out of a crowd and said, Now, now, Chris, now. He rings me and he's crying. He's like, God is speaking to me. I've got a gift and a passion, and he's, he's commissioned by the church today, anointed and recognized it's good to us, it's good to the Holy Spirit. We set him apart. We set this ministry apart for God's glory, and then we let them go. Ecclesia, the mobilized church. Jamie shared about uh, Friday night. Um, Shani um, and Jamie celebrated the opening of the Loving Arms building. If you haven't been to visit them, pop down to Rickett Road and catch up with them. We heard the story of Shani, who gets stirred by what she sees and the pain of people who can't provide for their new babies, and she says, well, I'll do something. 
recognizing that God birthed something in them. They've started a ministry. Now six years in formation has helped 700-odd families so far and is on track to do 500 just this year. 3,003 years. Why? Because I heard the word of the Lord. I prophesied to circumstances. I said, I'm going to do something about it. And I became part of God's story. Krista's testimony. She was sitting right there where Phil is when God spoke to her. True, she didn't hear a word of my message. I know that because we spoke afterwards. She came up crying. God just spoke to me and I've got to start a ministry and I'm going to call it something. Can I just, can I, can, can, can Ivan and I come and sit with you and, and talk? Why? Because God woke her up, stirred her, gave her a prophecy. But it was dependent on her doing something about it. I look around the room and I see church members active, praying in their jobs and at their workplace. Testimonies of people being healed, not in the church, but in a workplace. The love of Jesus Christ being shared as a testimony and a message. My life was changed. Jesus wants to change your life. We see people that go on missions trips. They go overseas. Why? Because they just need to get out of their comfort zone and learn that God is there as well as here, but God always changes people there so they can be different here. God is stirring people in this church. And, and like I'm privileged because I get to see it from a, from a widespread view. Many of you don't know what someone else is going through yet. But God is stirring his church and waking them up. And I'm saying, come on, people of Zion. We've got to hear the word of the Lord. Verse 9. He said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, O son of man. These four winds, they represent God coming from all corners of the earth to breathe and bring his substance into our world. And what I'm praying over you today is this verse. I'm saying, come, O breath, come, O Spirit of God, come and rise up in us. Come and lift those people who have been lying dead and dormant for too long, that they'd be awakened by your Spirit, they'd be formed with substance and mobility, that they would rise up and go as only you can enable them to do. It's a moment of awakening, and I'm calling the church to rise out of slumber. And I'm calling the church of Tiawamudu to this. You think I'm fired up today? You wait till I talk to the ministers. Last month, when we met, the ministers of Te Awamudu, I'm stirring them in a safe and friendly, loving way, that God wants to do something through that church, not just one church, that church, the church of Jesus Christ in Te Awamudu, diverse as it is and different in, in practice, but we're one church with one Lord, one Savior for our town. It's time for a supernatural revival of dreams and destiny that God wants to use all of us. And here's my conclusion. Hope the sausage rolls aren't burnt. <laughs> Lunch is burnt. It's always my fault. You always, if you're putting a roast on at home, put it in the slow cooker. If Phil's speaking. <laughs> no, this is the end. We can't miss the end because this is the good part. This is the good part. Verse 10. It's the last verse I'm doing, I promise. Last verse, 10. I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life. Now, I'm going to need some participation here. Nudge the person next to you, but just make sure they're awake. That's, that's not the moment of participation. Listen to the word of God. Listen to the word of God. They all came to life, meaning awake. Check again. 
they all came to life and stood up on their feet. This is where you stand. I'm finishing. But it's not, it's not the end of the verse. They stood on their feet and it says they were a great army. Just no, no, look at your scripture. I don't want you to just to trust me on this. I want you to read it for yourself. Go home, Ezekiel 37 verse 10. If you're at home, double check for me. It says it in the Bible, they became a great army. What does it not say? It doesn't say God resurrected a church. It doesn't say God resurrected a flock of sheep. It doesn't say God resurrected a family unit that were all about the food. It doesn't say God resurrected a community club that met together once a week for good times to do good. It wasn't even called a nation. In this moment, this word for today, God resurrects an army, and an army stands because of the breath of God. God is showing we've got to have a mindset of an army here. Catch this, please. May this go deep into your spirit. Here are some observations about an army. An army has rank, and every person has responsibilities. In an army, soldiers don't choose what they do. They're given orders, and they follow orders. In an army... Even the lieutenants, the captains, and the general all follow the orders of the king. An army does not exist for the comfort of the army. An army is tasked with advancing the kingdom of the king. Everyone in the army, everyone in the army is prepared to fight, even to the point where they sacrifice their life for the sake of the kingdom. The army are well-trained and well-disciplined. And the army moves as one unified force to advance the kingdom of the king. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Believe God is showing us today, we've got to have the mindset of his army. If you could just start the music, I'm just, I just want to create a moment here. I want you to respond where you are. I want you to respond to what God's saying to you today. I want you to listen as I refer to the scripture. He says, son of man, these bones represent my people. These bones that are dry and dead in the valley represent my people. They're saying we have become old dry bones, all hope is gone. Our identity is gone. Prophesy. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I will open up 
your graves of despondency and exile, and I will cause you to rise again. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Come on, let's all just pray. Let's just pray where we are. You can pray out loud. You can pray in the quiet. You can pray in a heavenly language. I don't mind. Because this moment is about you and the King who's calling you to be in His army. This is about you saying, I want to wake up. I want the breath of God to come into me from all the four corners of the earth. The Ruach rattle in my bones is a signal that God is doing something in my life, that He's waking me up, that He's stirring my heart, that He's filling me with passion, that He's commissioning me to go to be in His army. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Almighty God, we commit these Scriptures to the work of Your Holy Spirit. God, I pray this week that as people um, re-listen to the message, as they re-read the Scriptures, as they come before You in their time of prayer, that God, You would breathe on their hearts, that their spirit would come into alignment with You. When we come into alignment with You, You move us. God, I thank You for faithful people people that are willing to take a step to say, yes, Lord, here I am. I am willing. God, we are your people. We are Zion people. We come before you fully dependent on you to move in power and in wonder and in mercy and in love in this region and in this nation. God, we are part of that story. Let us not be observers. Let us be participants. Let us sign up to be part of what you're doing. Yes, Lord. Dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord.